Hello, and welcome to the IR Weekly Podcast, keeping you up to date with all of the latest news in the realtor world. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Kelly. And on today's episode, we are welcoming Illinois Realtors General Counsel Betsy Urbans to talk about the latest recommendations for the MLS from the National Association of Realtors. Welcome, Betsy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so your bio is way too impressive for us. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Uh, okay. A little bit about myself. Some of y'all have uh, don't know me. My name's Betsy Urbance. I've been um, blessed to be with associated in some way with the Realtor Association here in Illinois for the past 27 years. Wow. So not quite half my life. So if you do the math, <laughs> you can figure out just how old I am. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> and when y'all were little children going uh-huh. to grade school, I was answering the legal hotline. Up until about 2018. This is a fancy way of her saying she's yeah. smarter than we will ever be. <laughs> no, <laughs> I am not saying that at all. I'm just saying I've been around okay. a long, long time. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm free to put it out there, yeah, though. Yeah. But, uh, Betsy, we're talking about um, some stuff with the MLS and from the NAR with these new recommendations. So why don't you give us just a broad view of what we're talking about when we talk about MLSs from the NAR? Okay. So what we're talking about today, really, uh, broad view of MLSs, I'm going to get to that. Um we're going to, I say um a lot, um, a yeah. lot. So if you're listening and you're counting the ums, get online and tell me how many. Ooh, this is a fun I game. Yeah. yeah. So there's the challenge because I say it a lot. Um, see, yep. when I start listening to myself, then I catch myself. But recently at NAR's annual meeting in San Diego, which was beautiful weather, by the way, the NAR board approved a whole bunch of recommendations, but many of them focused on the MLSs and MLS issues. The recommendations came out of a lot of study from the MLS Issues and Policies Committee and all of the policy changes, which I use the word changes pretty loosely because a lot of it is literally just clarification of existing policies. So I'm going to explain a little bit of that later. But those all will become effective January 1, 2022. And they would have to be implemented, I believe, by March 1, 2022, if you are an MLS affiliated affiliated with NAR. So what does that mean? Because there are a bunch of MLSs out there, some of which are MA and officially NAR associated and some of which are not. So I'm just going to read to you the definition that NAR ascribes to the multiple listing service or MLS when it in relation to the National Association of Realtors. I'm just reading directly from their publication. Multiple listing service and MLS means multiple listing service committees of boards and associations of realtors, and it also applies to separately incorporated multiple listing services owned by one or more boards or associations using boards and associations interchangeably of realtors. Now, we have some MLSs out there that are owned by Realtors or by Realtor associations, and they might inform themselves according to what NAR policies are. But I just kind of wanted to make that subtle distinction before we get too far afield. Yeah, absolutely. It's good to it's good to define the rules here. Right? <laughs> if anybody knows me, we're going to get far afield. <laughs> we are going to know the definitions, people, and we are going to know them in our hearts. We, <laughs> I sidetrack myself all the time. 
<laughs> well, uh, as you did say, though, there were uh, six big recommendations that came from this. Um, and so we're just going to dive right in here. Um, so the first one here, what can you tell me about this uh, policy that's regarding one data source? Okay, so the MLS policy that is changed or clarified that goes into effect January 1, 2022, is that MLSs must offer a participant. What's a participant? That is the person or entity that belongs to a particular MLS. The subscribers are the folks within the participant's office that also have rights to use the information. So a lot of definitions here. Mm -hmm. And again, see, yep. I promised to sidetrack myself and go far afield. So <laughs> here I do. This is going to be a 17-hour podcast. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, what the policy says is, look, the MLSs have to offer the participant a single data feed that would be in accordance with, and I'm essentially quoting uh, NAR's information here, it'd be in accordance with a participant's licensed authorized uses. What that means, dude, I don't know, but uh, the participant will know, right? So um, it also has a provision in there in, the, in this particular single data source requirement that a designee of an MLS, so let's, or a, of a participant, excuse me, so the participant might have a, an outside service provider that needs to use the MLS data for some reason. So essentially, it's the same data feed for the participant and for any legit designee of that particular participant. Makes perfect sense, right? Yes. Y'all are <laughs> nodding. Like, I am getting yeah, there. I'm I totally it. get it. <laughs> we okay. will be quizzed later, right? <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> All right, well, let's just keep it moving here. Um, there's also a policy statement which talks about brokerage back office feeds. What can you tell us about that? Yeah, I had to read it myself. What's BBO mean? BBO. Brokerage back office <laughs> feed. And the way that I interpret this is that the office receives certain information that the MLS collects that would relate to a brokerage that a brokerage could use internally. It, the participant brokerage could use this information internally. And there's some bullet, it's all kind of in-house stuff and how the brokerage office, the participant would use the information. The bullets are brokerage management systems that only expose BP, BBO data to participant and subscribers affiliated. So essentially, you know, it's data that only they would use. Right. I guess I'm kind of interpreting that. Yeah. And if anyone from NAR is listening out there <laughs> and needs to correct me, give me a call. This would I'll be great. Yeah. We have a follow-up podcast. Yeah, how, yeah. how do we do, guys? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, customer relationship management, the CRM data feeds that are very, very important to brokerages. Those are things that the, um, that the MLS can provide to a participant. Uh, agent and brokerage productivity and ranking tools and reports that only expose BBO back office data to the participant and the subscribers affiliated with that participant. So anybody in an office yeah. <laughs> to try to, that participates in that MLS. 
Uh, let's see, anything else? And then marketplace st statistical analysis and reports. That's stuff like in, I think I'm interpreting this correctly, but that's where an office, they're collecting the MLS data because they want to say, I'm number one. Mm -hmm. And there are some very strict provisions about how you can do that. If in your advertising, you're an MLS participant right. and you're saying we're the number one office in a particular county or a particular MLS, the, the, the existing rules and policies already require you not only to advertise in a true and not misleading manner. Can you say not misleading? Misleading is that too negative? <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah. But anyway, uh, you also have to cite your data source, which is probably your MLS, and you have to cite the period of time over which you're making that claim. In essence, you have to prove that the statement that you're making is true. Now, that's just that's just an onerous requirement right Isn't there. It? Why do you have yeah. to yeah. yeah. <laughs> this reminds me of college. you gotta, yeah. you got to cite your sources on your papers, people. Mm -hmm. Wikipedia right. is not a source. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's good. No, that makes uh, total sense. But uh, I tell you what, we're on a podcast here. Let's get a little techie. What do you say, Betsy? You want to get a little techie Oh, here? you know me. I love tech. <laughs> so they did, did a, Insert uh, eye roll. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Insert <laughs> we saw the sad, eye roll. <laughs> sad trombone eye roll. Um, and as I read my notes from my yellow page <laughs> with my pen. It is. The legal pad is back, man. Yes, it um, is. So, but they did make an internet data exchange or IDX uh, policy and a VAL policy here, um, which I think deals with broker attribution right? It does. And what I'm going to say here is that it doesn't really change a whole heck of a lot. I think there was maybe some misunderstanding out there that it was a really huge change. But the way that I read all the information, I don't think it's really that big a change. Okay. IDX policies, let's just say that's the data feed. In my own brain, this is how I distinguish them. IDX is the MLS data feed that is provided to the public it is not protected by any credentials, password. We used to say the word firewall. Firewall, yeah. Um, so that anything that's going out to the public, there, there still there was a requirement. There still is a requirement that attribution be given to the listing company. Okay. So the only real change is new language that says in your IDX feed when you are making attribution to the listing company there's already a requirement for that there's already that it a requirement that it should be uh, distinguishable from the rest of the content and the ad the addition was for the listing firm you add the email and phone number provided by the listing participant that makes sense. So it really just gives a little more information. Let's say somebody wants to know something about the property specifically. If it's on your IDX feed, it's got to be there. Now, the next one that caused, I think, a little bit of consternation and maybe uh, due to some misunderstanding, maybe not. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> can't read minds. I can do a lot of things, but I can't. I've learned I can't read minds. I don't believe that yeah. at all. <laughs> yeah, especially my own husband. But um, anyway... With regard to VAL, and I started to distinguish, and of course sidetracked myself again, the VAL is literally virtual office website. Okay. You are doing your business by means of a website as opposed to a brick-and-mortar office building. Okay. So now we have credentials. Now I'm a consumer. I'm walking into your virtual office, Jeremy, so I've got to sign on, provide my password. So I'm inside your office. I'm a customer, maybe I'm going to become a client. Okay. So there 
was and still is an option for MLSs in their VOW policies to require attribution to the listing office or the listing participant, I guess I should say, because we're talking about folks that belong to a particular MLS. So there, there already existed that requirement. And the keyword was option. So uh, if your MLS has that option, because it says here, requirements that MLSs may impose on the operation of vows. Okay. So you really got to check your own MLS, because some ML- MLSs have not chosen to include the option that you have to give attribution to the listing broker. And that's not because you dislike the listing broker or anything, but it's because when you've walked into the office, if I'm walking into Jeremy's virtual office and I'm a buyer and and I'm going to be Jeremy's buyer client, I'm going to t- Jeremy's going to take care of me. So I may not really need to know who the listing brokerage is, but I'm going back to the new policy or the amendment to the policy. And what that says is, if your MLS does say that you have to give attribution to the listing participant, then you also have to include the email and the phone there number that's again. provided yep. by the listing. <laughs> so as you can see, it's a clarification. It's to my mind, at least. Yeah. Uh, so I'll disclaim to my own mm-hmm. <laughs> bizarre mind. It's not that big a change. No, it doesn't no. seem yeah. like it. Yeah. I mean, you okay. know, it's just get, get that internet, yeah. get, get that contact out there. Man. I'm sure there's some that will disagree with me and we will answer your comments later. <laughs> then we can have a fight. We can have a podcast fight. A discussion. A discussion. A discussion. There yes. you go. <laughs> Kids, it's just a discussion. Right, right, right. Well, we'll keep it moving here and on to the next recommendation. What can you tell us about the display of listing broker offer of compensation part of these updates? Okay. I can tell you again. Not an enormous change, simply a blacker line as far as what is required. Because if you're a Realtor and you've read your Realtor Code of Ethics, which I highly recommend. Everyone, of course, has. I highly recommend reading Committing to Memory, but, you know, that's just me. Yeah. Um, At any rate, there is a requirement that the buyer broker be told how... Their broker is going to be paid. There's a requirement that listing brokers tell their seller clients how buyer brokers are going to be paid and indeed how much they're going to be paid. So really the only thing this does is says that on the consumer data that you might give either if you're working with me, I'm probably going to give you a paper sheet. If I'm working with you kids, you're probably going to send me some <laughs> link. Um, nice so, little digital paper link. Yes, yeah. yes. The digital paper, which is an oxymoron. <laughs> Isn't but, it though? <laughs> yes. Page. What does that mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, it what it says is that that has to show up. That amount that the listing broker is offering to the buyer broker must show up. There's no required amount. I'm just going to get in a little bit of a, I mean, anybody that's listening to this probably knows just how competitive the real estate market is. (laughs) So the fact that there's sort of any investigation into competition in the real estate industry just blows my mind. However, there is, there, while there is a rule that a listing participant offer something to a buyer broker 
in an effort to get the buyer broker to bring the buyer to their listing. Big broker, small broker, doesn't matter if you're in an MLS because everybody that's in the MLS gets to play by the rules. Anything from a buck to any flat fee to any percentage of the purchase price. Net gross depends on the rules of your MLS. There's absolutely no specific number that's required. Okay. Just that something be offered. All right. Okay. There's that. Makes that. Sense. <laughs> I'm liking that all of these, most of these, just like, oh, there's just a little change, a little change here, a little change there. It like, can seem daunting, but this is why right. it's so great to have someone like you explain all this stuff to us. So um, we're almost done here. We've only got two left, um, but let's keep pushing through. There's the policy statement which came, which talked about services advertised as free. So what's going on with that? Okay. Well, I'm sure none of the buyer brokers that are listening to this podcast have ever advertised their services as free. <laughs> <laughs> unless they were absolutely free. Yeah. But there is, in Illinois, under the License Act, in the Realtor Code of Ethics, there is, exists, before this policy was amended to clarify a requirement to disclose how they're paid, right? So if you're on the buyer side of the transaction and you have a buyer brokerage agreement, which I highly recommend. <laughs> if you have a buyer brokerage agreement, there's a provision in there that says you're going to get paid something. You're either going to get paid part of it from the listing side, and then if you don't get the certain amount, then they'll have to make up the difference, or they're going to pay X number of dollars to you pursuant to that agreement. If you don't, what you have is the MLS offer of compensation. And if you're the buyer broker that's the procuring cause of that sale you are, and you're a participant in that MLS, you can count on that money being paid to you. So you're going to get paid. That's always good. <laughs> Even though it doesn't come directly out of the buyer's pocketbook or their, po or their phone or their Apple Pay or whatever it is. I'm trying to be high tech here. There you go. <laughs> so even though it doesn't come out of there, the buyer broker gets compensated. So it's a little disingenuous, just to my own legal mind, to say that I'll work for you for free. Unless, of course, you literally are working for you for, for free. free. <laughs> so all this says is, look, unless you're truly working for nothing and no expectation of payment, you can't advertise as free. I personally think that is clarification of existing rule. And policy. Oh, well, that's good. Clarification is always good. Bottom line. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Our Realtor friends love to have clarification, love to have black and white answer. There you go. And Absolutely. the ones that There's know me. the black and white answer right <laughs> No, there. I have <laughs> never given a black and white answer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So finally, our last part here is the MLS policy, which deals a lot with non-filtering listings. What's the rundown on that recommendation? Okay. I sound like a broken record here <laughs> because it is, to my mind again, my own twisted mind, a clarification of existing rule, at least in Illinois. In Illinois, you are the legal agent for your client. Which, is, which means that you have a fiduciary-like but statutory duty to serve your client's best interests over your own. So if you're a buyer broker 
and you don't have a buyer brokerage agreement, and the perfect listing is in the MLS to which you belong, and the offer of compensation is a buck, you have a duty, if that's the perfect listing, to show to your client, to show your client under, in Illinois, both under your license law agency duty and as a realtor under your ethical duty to serve, I should mention, since we're talking realtor stuff, that you also have a duty to serve your client's best interest over your own. You also have a duty to provide uh, equal services to all. So why put the filters on? Why even have them? Yeah. Um, and because I don't think you have a really good argument if you use them <laughs> as to how you might be using them yeah. um, to serve your, your client's best interests. Yeah. Not always. <laughs> Lawyers never say always or never, right? But I think <laughs> it's a, a good idea here to to go ahead and prohibit the filtering. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm behind it. All these make Again, sense. Makes sense. Yeah. All I'm these make it. sense. Yeah, <laughs> y'all are nodding like you understand. I, I understand <laughs> so. that. I understand that perfectly. <laughs> That's right. great, man. You got to do good. what's best for the client always. Um, okay. Well, Betsy, this was just man. Whew, we discussed so much here today. Lots of stuff, and uh, there's literally no one better to walk us through all of that. What I call legalese um, than you, Betsy. Um, so thank you once again for just bringing your expertise to the IR Weekly Podcast. I appreciate being here. Thanks for spending the time. Thanks for putting up with all my meanderings. No. <laughs> and uh, have a great day, great holidays. Yeah, this is awesome. Well, um, I do want to let everyone know, if you want to read more about these MLS recommendations, you can, of course, always find them on the NAR website at www.nar.realtor. And that's it for this week's IR podcast. Thank you all for listening. And as always, give us a rating and review on your podcast app of choice. And if you want any more content, simply search for Illinois Realtors on your favorite social media app. We'll see you next week.